Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post, coming to you from Southern California for a change, where I've gotten a chance to hang out with my buddy Bill Oram uh, most of the week, and I will get to see him again tomorrow uh, for the third Laker game in five days and what is uh, a grueling preseason schedule for my guy. So, Bill, how uh, how have you been, and how are you surviving uh, having to watch four preseason games in, I think, six days, which is not... Uh, not fair to anybody to have to do. I mean, Tim, over the last five years, I've watched the Lakers lose more games <laughs> than they did in the entire Shaq and Kobe era. So I feel like me complaining about about the uh, about the amount of basketball when the when when the product is so greatly enhanced from what I have covered for the last five years uh, would be would be a little uh, ungrateful. So it's just it's just good to be back in the swing of the season. I mean, these summers have been really long in L.A. with the Lakers being done by mid-April. So um uh, I'm, in, I'm actually enjoying it right now, but maybe get back to me in the middle of uh, maybe when we connect at the all-star game or something like that. I think it, it might, really I, is, I might be singing a different tune yeah, by then. It really is funny that you are the reason that the Lakers have gone off a cliff and had the worst stretch in the franchise's history. You showed up and everything went to hell. It's pretty I mean, much, pretty, it's pretty my, much a direct line. <laughs> in my entire career, I've never covered a good team. And, and so like everybody's all, everybody's optimistic about, about this Lakers team, but they haven't considered the Bill Oram effect. Right? So I, I hate to, I hate to, I hate to, uh, uh, bring the party down, but I mean, it's, it's real. I should have included that in my column about the Lakers missing the playoffs. <laughs> I should have had item six, the Bill Orem effect. Bill's never <laughs> covered a good team. It's not possible. Um, give me, give me back in the pages of the Washington post. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So look, we don't need to like run through the whole column. However, um, you know, look, you, you spent a lot of time around this team and, you know, I think rather than litigating that, you know, it does seem like there's just from a lot of people, just an assumption that the Lakers are going to be really good. You know, you have Stephen A and other people saying they're going to be in the Western Conference Finals. You have a lot of people thinking that it's reasonable that they're going to have home court advantage in the West. I think they're um, I want to say their over under total was fourth or fifth um, in terms of like the number of wins. Um, do you think that that is a realistic barometer for this team? Or, or I guess maybe a better question is like, as you get into the season, um, like what would you qualify as like a realistic barometer for purely from a on-court success? I, we'll get into some of the stuff about the development of the young guys. It's probably more important than whatever they do this year. But um, yeah. what, what do you think is the barometer for like, hey, if the Lakers get to X, this has been a good season for them? I mean, I feel like... It, it, it's tough because we just don't know yet. I mean, the the whole assumption that they're going to have home court advantage is premature. I think, you know, you know, I love you, but like, I mean, saying they're not going to make the playoffs is premature also just because sure. it, we, we haven't seen this thing. We haven't seen it with Lonzo ball. We haven't seen what Brandon Ingram can do over a significant stretch. He played great against Cam Reynolds and the Kings on, on Thursday night, but you know, how much stock do you want to put in that preseason effort? So I, we, we just don't know how this is going to come together. It could be better than we think. It could be a lot worse. Um, I, I think this is this is I do think this is a playoff team because I do believe in the potential of Brandon Ingram. I think Josh Hart is really really good. Um, I think I think Lonzo Ball is going to take a step this year. I think Rondo is going to help them, and then you have LeBron who who single handedly wins you a lot of games that the Lakers lost in the final minutes last year. Right. So I think I think that I think that they're in the mid 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 to upper forties in wins, and then how the rest of the Western Conference shakes out um, will determine where they where they end up. But I think they're in the postseason. Um, I had been saying for a long time that I felt like they needed to win at least a playoff series to feel good about this, this, this season. And that obviously gets a lot tougher when, um, 
when you when you look at the quality of, of teams in the Western when Conference. When you look at who you have to beat I mean, to win the, a playoff series. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, if, you, if, you're the, if you're the five seed, you might be talking about going to one of the two toughest places to, to, to play in the NBA. You're probably either going to Utah or Oklahoma City, the right. two most notorious gyms in the entire NBA. Right. But the thing that I think gets overlooked about this Lakers team, if they get to the postseason, they could be a monster to deal with. This team is, is built... Is, I think this team is, is positioned to be a better postseason team than regular season team. They're going to lose games in the early stretch of the year, trying to figure things out, figuring out rotations, finding out if Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley can play uh, in, in this system and if they're going to fit in in the locker room. But by the time they get to April, if those issues have been sorted out um, and you have LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, who have won championships, who have right. made deep playoff runs, Lance Stevenson, who is a he's, – he's a pain in the butt, especially in the playoffs – um, that's a team that I think, you know, you look at a Utah or a, even a Houston that suddenly doesn't have the dis- defensive capabilities that it, that it did before. Like, I think the Lakers could present some real problems. I, so really when I look in the postseason, the only team I really think that I would count the Lakers out against is golden state. So I know, like, I don't think it's realistic to think that the Lakers are going to get to the Western conference finals, but I also don't think it is. And I think you're going to disagree with me here, but I don't think it is the craziest thing in the world just because I think that once they, if once they get to the playoffs, if they get to the playoffs, they are built to really create problems for teams. But that said, a lot of size in the Western Conference, and the Lakers have virtually none of it, and that's going to be a problem between now and um, next season. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one, the only real pushback I would have there, and I, I wouldn't even say pushback. We'll just shift to what I what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I know you're you're either planning to, or maybe by the time this is up, you'll have out a piece on Brandon Ingram. And yeah. look, like we talked about uh, a couple times this week. I mean, the reason I will look silly about the Lakers this year is if Brandon Ingram becomes a you know a, a borderline star level player in the NBA Um, because that, you know, the Lakers, you know, Josh Hart is going to be a really good role player. They, you know, Kyle Kuzma is going to be a nice role player. Um, You know, they do have some of these veterans like Lonzo ball. We'll see what the happens with the Lonzo and uh, Rondo situation in terms of minutes. We'll get to that in a bit, but there, there isn't a guy that currently looks positioned to potentially take a big leap forward for them like Ingram can. And right. Um, you know, they're going to need, especially in the West, when you go, when you run down these teams, like as good as LeBron is, like he did have Kevin Love on his team last year. Like there was another all-star on the team and the Lakers don't have anybody near that level right now. But if you want to dream on somebody on this team, at least right now, it probably is Ingram is like, Hey, if it comes together, uh, this guy can take a leap. Like I said, I know you're planning to write about him, but uh, make the positive, not that I'm going to even make the, make the negative one, but make the positive case for, Hey, this is the chance that, you know, Brandon Ingram has the ability to make the step forward that, you know, a lot of people are thinking he can, and that could, to your point, you know, put the Lakers in a position to be able to do some of the stuff you think they can. Well, I mean, I guess just to kind of um, further your point, LeBron has played with additional stars every year since he went to Miami. I mean, he has had at least another all-star on his team um, for, you know, the, what I guess we'd consider kind of the, the, the meat of his career. Sure. So, so it's been a long time since he has been kind of a solo act with just a supporting cast. And, and some, somebody at some point is going to have to step into that, that second role. And maybe it's not to an all-star level, but somebody has to step up to be re- able to really kind of put this team on his back when LeBron's having an off night, when LeBron is in foul trouble, when LeBron's on the bench for whatever reason, uh, or if, if injuries do pop up. Um, you can't just become a team of supporting. Uh, you can't just be a supporting cast when LeBron's not on the floor. Right. And and the Lakers want Brandon Ingram to be that number two guy. I mean, you don't. It doesn't take much more than just stepping in the locker room and, and kind of getting the message. The back wall of the, the locker room has three lockers on it. LeBron's on the left. 
The middle one is empty. And on the right is Brandon Ingram. So when you walk in, the two nameplates you see, James Ingram. And that's not unintentional. When the Lakers drafted Brandon Ingram, he became the only player in Staples Center history to occupy the, lake, the, the locker that had belonged to Kobe Bryant. Now he's the only guy on the back wall with, with LeBron. So, I mean, it kind of the, – the messaging is all there. And the Lakers are setting the bar for, for, for Ingram. Hey, this, this role is here for you. And on the pecking order that we all know is, is pretty important to really good NBA teams, Brandon Ingram is supposed to be the number two guy. So can he get there? Uh, I think he can. Um, you know, if you watched the preseason game last night against the Kings, again, preseason against the Kings, but Ingram was everywhere. And on those, he had four consecutive deflections on an inbounds pass at the end of the game. Again, like if that was in the, if that was in the regular season or even especially in the postseason, I mean, that would become like a legendary sequence. It sure. Preseason. It said it, was, it said it was against like four people. The King, no one's ever heard no, of. No, exactly. And, and right. it won't be in the NBA. Right. But, right. But, Right. But it was impressive, though, for sure. It was. And then and then he's making he's making the game winning plays on the offensive end as well. He's the guy getting to the line to seal the win. Um, that's the, the Brandon Ingram. The Lakers expect to see every night. And that's always been his problem. And and also keep in mind, he had his most success last season when he was playing at point guard. Right. When Lonzo Ball was out and he started at point guard against the Kings, but still was getting most of his buckets as a cutter. And it was the first play of the game where. He used the back screen from Josh Hart yep. and, cut, and, and LeBron threaded the needle. I mean, through like three guys, Tim. I mean, it was a hell it was of a, a pass. It was from, a great pass for sure. From LeBron. Play. Yep. I mean, it, was, it set him up. And but, I mean, Ingram made that cut. He wasn't doing that last year. I mean, he, he wasn't a bad off-ball player, but he wasn't cutting like that. And that has been a huge focus for him this this offseason. I talked to Luke Walton extensively about it. And, he, and you know, he talked about the way uh, Brandon moves without the ball is going to determine his success. Um, it seems like he's gotten the message. I just, I, I, it, it always feels just dumb. And, um, like I'm setting myself up for failure when I, you know, make predictions based on the, on the preseason or assessments based on what we've seen in the preseason, but Ingram looks like he's moving really well. Um, he is, uh, he's conf- He's more confident than I've ever seen him. I've covered virtually every game of his career and the way he talks about himself, the way he talks about his all-star aspirations, the way he talks about wanting to rise to the challenge. He's just much more confident than he's ever been. I mean, you watch the way he finishes at the rim. That was such an issue his first year. They got progressively better in year two. Now it looks even he looks even more comfortable um, using his body and finishing through guys. Um, you know, the only real question mark for him remains that that three point shot. And he shot thirty nine percent last year, which sounds really good, but it was really low usage. Yeah, it was under the two late, under two attempts a game, which basically yeah. means he didn't shoot at all. Right. And so when people are like, "Oh, he's a forty percent shooter," you got to be a little careful there. But you know, I mean, there are people with the Lakers who are talking about him bumping that up to five attempts a game, and obviously they expect they would expect the um, the percentage to come down. But if he can shoot thirty five percent and shoot it, you know, four four and a half times a game. Um, you have a vastly more complete player and, and, and somebody who's going to, I think maybe not be an all-star this year. That's certainly a goal of, of Ingram's, but, um, but be kind of announcing himself as, as an, as a, as an all-star of the future. And as, again, he's going to get so many easy baskets just by like everyone, just by virtue of playing with James. Um, so I don't think it's out of the question that he takes that leap and kind of establishes himself as, you know, the second or third star on a, on a, very, very good Lakers team. And and keep in right. mind, this LeBron did not come here to be the only superstar on this team. Like eventually he wants there to be at least one additional star, right? That's the way sure. that's the way teams are built. Sure. And while everyone is looking at, you know, who are they going to get next summer, who are they going to get next summer, there aren't that many options for next summer. I mean, unless you think Clay Thompson is going to leave uh, Sam, uh the, the Warriors, unless 
unless you think the Lakers are going to um, convince Kawhi that they're a better fit than the Clippers, uh, unless you think Jimmy Butler is is somehow going to um, not be traded and want to go to the Lakers, yeah, right? And, and, and I mean, and considering right now he's angling to get traded someplace, he wants to sign a, a you know to resign next summer. Um, that's looking less and less likely. Right. The options the options start dwindling, and then you start thinking trade. And there's a much easier option, and that is just that Brandon Ingram, right? Brandon a player, Ingram becomes a star, and the guy they've been talking about for yep. three years. Yep. That's why you drafted him number two overall. Yep. That is that is what they that is what they envisioned for him when they when they when they brought him in, and he has never had the hype of Lonzo Ball. He has never. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm going push back on that. This is, a is guy, n- this is a guy. Oh, wait a second. This is a guy who, going into the draft in 2016 with Ben Simmons, there were people who were making credible cases that he should be taken ahead of Ben Simmons. He was a massively hyped prospect. Now, you know, you could say that he doesn't have the Lonzo Ball reality show machine around him, so maybe the attention on him has not been quite the same once he's gotten there. But look. I mean, this is a guy who, from the moment he's got his come into the league, has been hyped as a potential future Kevin Durant. I'm not saying that's fair, but that's what he said. He was, like I said, he was considered to be on the same level as Ben Simmons. Like, this is a guy who's been expected to become a star. Correct. And to your point, and to your point, that's what the Lakers desperately need. They might not be able to get a star next summer. They might, for them to be anywhere near where they need to get, and, and also for them to get a star next summer, if they could say, hey, by the way, we have this guy, Brandon Ingram, who's pretty damn good. We have this guy, number 23. He's pretty damn good. Like, if you come play here with them, like, you can immediately be a contending team. Well, then, you, like you said, then you could really start to construct the narrative of, like, okay, this is where this can go. If it's just, hey, I'm LeBron, and Brandon Ingram is okay, and, you know, we've got some other nice recording uh, or, you know, we've got some other nice young guys um, that can, uh, that can potentially fill in around him. Um, That's a much different sell than, Oh, Hey, by the way, we've got this guy that's a stud today. That's 21 with super long arms. It could be good for a really long time. Yeah. And I I think the the point I was making is that once, I think you're right. Once, once Ingram got here, he's never had the attention. He's never had the scrutiny. It's every single bad, bad moment isn't broken down. And, and 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 parsed for meaning well, the way been, it has the been Lakers, for Lonzo. The Lakers and have I think been that's so the, and that's, bad and that's, that they've been, he's been able to kind of fly under the radar on that front. They've just been kind of irrelevant, you know. Sort even, of, even, like on, even for the Lakers because of other stuff that's gone on. He has been over. He's been so completely overshadowed by the other storylines around this team, right. really since his rookie year. Uh, when you when you had the D'Angelo circus, then you had then you had Lonzo coming in. It's just it's been it's created an environment where one. While he is expected to be really good, I think he's kind of the forgotten star of this team. Yes, because he he doesn't have the social media presence of Kuzma and Hart, and and he doesn't have the the hype machine of of Lonzo Ball. And so I think one, I think that sort of bugs him. And two, not not that he doesn't have that machine, but that he, that he gets overlooked. And two, I think that um, it's allowed him to develop a little bit more at his own pace and not feel like he has to do too much because we've seen him get we saw him get better between year one and year two. At this point, I, I think we can say that he looks better from year two to year three. Uh, he certainly should be, and so far in the preseason has been. So, uh, you know, if but if but the expectations on Lonzo were so high, come in and be a star right away. That it's almost like it almost feels like 
he has it's almost too late for him because he didn't come in and meet those expectations. That hasn't been the case for for Ingram. No, you're right about that. I mean, he certainly benefited from from Lonzo showing up and and look, the other thing is Ingram was really bad as a rookie. Now he was young, but you know, that I think the fact he the fact he was kind of obviously gonna take a while to grow into, you know, he was a super young guy, needs to get stronger, all that kind of stuff. Um People forget he just turned he just turned twenty one right last which is month. crazy he literally just turned twenty one yeah. a month ago like he is a super young guy so they're like the fact that I think the, you're right the combination of his rough rookie year the fact the Lakers were a mess and Lonzo coming in did allow him to kind of go from being super hyped to kind of you know not noticed as much as a guy in that situation would have been but yeah like that's not going to be the case this year like you know you've got LeBron saying a bunch of nice stuff about him you've got the Lakers like you said I mean it's not like you said I mean you pointed it out to me. Uh, earlier this week like it it's certainly noteworthy the way they've set up that locker room uh you know they're talking about him as a guy who could be the second guy I mean they they see the they see the landscape and they see what they need him to be and and like I said that's I'll look dumb about the Lakers if he becomes a star this year which isn't impossible I would say it's probably not going to happen I think he's going to be better but um but there's no question he has the kind of skill set an overall template that if it breaks the right way, you know, he could be a damn good player. And, and like you said, in a lot of ways, he could be a perfect compliment to LeBron if, uh, if things break right for him. Absolutely. Now we talked about uh, Lonzo a little bit and maybe the most interesting dynamic around this team beyond the, um, uh, beyond the, the whole thing with Brandon Ingram at this point and just LeBron in general is the Lonzo ball slash Rajon Rondo point guard situation. Now, I was talking to somebody yesterday over at the game, and, you know, it is interesting that if if the best thing you could say for Lonzo right now, like the Lakers are being super cautious with Lonzo. He hasn't done anything really so far. He hasn't played in any of the preseason games. It's unclear if he's going to play in Saturday's game against the Clippers. Um, you know, it, it, you know, the best thing you could say about this situation is that the, the, the Lakers really want to make sure that he's healthy. Uh, the, the the kind of looking at it the other way is that, well, this guy hasn't played in five months and still isn't ready to go, uh, you know, a couple weeks into training camp. Um, you know, and it, and it certainly does seem to be lining up to allow them to just slide Rajon Rondo, the guy LeBron James wanted the Lakers to sign, in as this team's starting point guard without any drama or controversy surrounding it. So um, that's, a, that's a long-winded uh, lead up to how do you see this Lon- this Lonzo and Rondo thing playing out and how potentially volatile could that be given the obvious dynamics that that are at play around both of them it's it's really interesting um it's been interesting to me ever since they signed Rondo and then obviously you go right into Lonzo needing surgery I my theory on this is that the Lakers have been able to get the maximum effect out of his injury and surgery yeah which is that if they bring him back very slowly uh, Luke Walton said yesterday that they're probably being like hovering parents, something Lonzo Ball knows about. Um, <laughs> Just a and, and and if they bring him back really slowly and establish Rondo as the starter at the beginning of the preseason and into the regular season, and you continually to and you continue to build up Lonzo Ball, which is not completely um, an insincere effort. The guy hasn't been on the court in five months. Like he's still building back up that lower body strength. He looks great in the shoulders and the arms, but like his legs are still twigs because he hasn't been able to use them this summer. Um, So you bring him back and then you give Lonzo once he's truly, truly um, at full strength, you give him the opportunity to win the job and you give him and, and that way for the first time in his career, you are, under prom- promising, giving him an opportunity to over deliver. Right. Last year was such a mess for him because 
I mean, it when it wasn't just Lavar, it was the Lakers. It was Magic Johnson calling him the face of the franchise when they introduced him at his at his first press conference. But it, it was not bringing in any other point guard. His only backup was Tyler Ennis. Um, Lonzo was given the keys to the franchise. Basically, said this is a blank canvas. Um, paint your masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And and it if if the expectations have been built differently, we wouldn't talk about Lonzo Ball's rookie season as a disappointment. We would talk about okay, he needs to be able to shoot. But wow, look at the way he Lonzo can was a hell of a lot better. Look at the way he can defend. Brandon, Lonzo Lonzo was a hell of a lot better as a rookie last year than Brandon Ingram was as a rookie. That's uh, fair. That's yeah. fair. But he was but like, he was awfully good in a lot of ways, other than the the obvious one that's a, a bit of a mess, which is a shot. But yeah, other than and, that, he was a very effective player. He was also given a much more prominent role from the beginning. Um, right. And and so again, the way they managed the expectations of Lonzo Ball, it would have been really difficult for him to to come in with unless he went you know came in and had like a Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell type year or a Ben Simmons type year. Sure, um, it wasn't going to turn out great for him um, because you're not allowed to have growing pains when you're when when the when the spotlight is on you like that. Yep. Uh, so this year, I think that they're doing a little bit of a hard correct and they're giving him a veteran to learn from, a veteran to compete with. And I don't think Rondo's ignorant of this 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 dynamic whatsoever. At media day, when he was asked about his role, do you care about starting or coming off the bench? He's like, no, whatever coach wants. I'll start, I'll come off the bench, I'll start for the first 20 games, then go to the bench. And I that a light bulb went off in my head, like that's what I see happening. Sure. If things go well for Lonzo Ball, you let him win the job from Rajon Rondo. You let Rondo slide to the bench and everybody is happy. Rondo still plays a big role. He plays as many minutes as Lonzo, but you've now elevated and empowered Lonzo Ball instead of inevitably having to take something away from him right. if, you make, if, you, if you make him the starter from day one. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, that whole situation to me really bears watching because, um, you know, again, LeBron specifically told them to go, you know, he was like, get Rondo and get Lance. You know, those are the two guys that he, you know, JaVale was not his call. Beasley was not his call. But the other two were like, hey, go get these guys and get them on the team. So, you know, the Rondo thing with, obviously, with all the stuff that comes with Lonzo in particular makes it interesting. And, you know, like what happens if we're midway through November and Lonzo's playing 20 minutes a game and the old man starts shooting his mouth off? Like, what happens then? Like, there's all that kind of stuff that could um, potentially crop up and really cause trouble. But to your point, if you want to look at it from an optimistic standpoint, it's that, hey, here's a guy that's been banged up. You let Rondo start. And if he gets himself healthy uh, and plays well, then you can have him kind of earn his way into the gig. And and if everybody's happy with that, that could wind up really being the best scenario for all involved if it is allowed to play out that way and and, and actually does. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, to the point about his dad, uh, you know, I think we're going to hear from LeVar, obviously, um, at least 
there's no reason to think that we won't unless he, unless he's come to some kind of agreement. Kind with of, the a, it's kind of amazing that he has been as quiet as he has for so long. Feels I mean, he doesn't like have. A, feels kind he of doesn't like have, a volcano. He doesn't have anything to back it up with, though. Lonzo hasn't been on the floor. Right. Um, but that hasn't really stopped him in the past, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, fair. But, that's but fair. fair point. Fair point. But if if Lavar starts spouting off. I feel like that's almost the, the end of the spectrum where you where you're more likely to have drama rather than from Rajon Rondo. I don't I for just some reason I don't feel like Rondo's at this stage in his career going to be the guy causing trouble if he loses the starting job. I think it's going to be if it's mid December and Lonzo has not yet been elevated to the starter and um people in his camp think that he has outplayed the veteran. I I I feel like that is where you have potential for an issue. But even right. there, even there I'm not sure that LeVar spouting off carries the same weight it did last year because he's not the most powerful voice in the room anymore. Right. And for whatever stupid reason, last year, you know, LeVar kind of became the face of the season. And I've had I've said that to people within, within the organization. They've strongly pushed back. But but he was the guy who was out there talking about the Lakers. He was the guy with opinions. He was the guy on radio shows. And he kind of started to set the narrative a little bit. This year, he can't do that. No matter how much he talks, he won't be the guy doing that. That'll be LeBron. And right. so last year, there was room under the big top. There was there was room for um, for LeVar to be part of the circus. I'm not sure there is this year. Like, he's a sideshow. He's in his own little tent kind of in the parking lot this year, I think. I don't think, I don't think he has the same impact that he did uh, in Lonzo's rookie year. And that's because LeBron's here, and that's because, Le- Lon- that's because Lonzo's no longer the novelty he was as a rookie. Well, we'll see. That's all I'll say. I, that, that, to me, that, to me, is, you know, there's a lot of there's, – there's potential drama on a lot of levels, but, you know, I, it's, it's amazing that LeVar was able to create as much attention as he has for himself. But this, you know, that, that whole thing, to me, does bear watching is, is something that's interesting to monitor. Now, that being said, um, you know, we've talked about this some uh, off the pod, but the Lakers don't have any good big men, which is a problem in the West. You know, JaVale's going to start. I don't think he's very good. I'm on record as saying that. Um, And I think I don't think anybody would really think that over 82 games, having him as your only like legitimate NBA big man really is a a wise move. Um, But to, to not really get into that, what is your take on this idea of have of trying to play? Kyle Kuzma as a small ball center and do you think that there's any chance that that is something that could work even in short doses or is he just too small um to be able to hold up against basically anybody at that spot I mean I think it could work I think it could work in spurts um you know depending who's on the floor who's available to help um I I do I do worry about it as a as an option for 10 minutes a night I think I think that the lake I think I think it works in much shorter bursts than that you know he looked he looked okay Last night, uh, you know, uh, he found himself on on, on scowl of BCA, uh, Le Bissier, a few times. I know he's I could technically play in the four, but I mean he plays like a five, and you know Kyle had some success against him. But that's a completely different quality of opponent than what we he saw in the first two nights when he was trying to front um, Nikola Jokic and was getting just absolutely destroyed. So I I think he can compensate for for his lack of size to a point with athleticism and um, and length, but not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I don't believe in it 
to the to the degree that that Luke Walton seems to, or as uh, my friend Pete Pete Zayas, who does Laker Film Room, said, it requires a higher degree of optimism than I possess <laughs> to think Kyle Kuzma um, is 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 a viable option as as the primary backup at point guard. So I I, I feel like there's got to be another big man in the equation at some point. The Lakers have an open roster spot. Uh, Avica Zubats, by the way, you know they 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 chose him in the summer over Thomas Bryant, their second round pick from the year before, and. Uh, I, I don't know what his future looks like with the Lakers, but in, in the first few preseason games, he has looked really out of his element. Um, and All I'll uh, say is they spent a lot of yesterday with uh, with Jonathan Williams, an undrafted guy from Gonzaga, yep. who's about 6'7", <laughs> playing center, and Zubac was not. So, yep. and, the Kings, and the Kings, if you think, well, maybe they're just playing small, the Kings basically only have point guards and centers. Yep. So it, if, if Zubac isn't playing in that game, it makes you wonder if, uh, you know, to your point, if they don't potentially maybe try to bring in a couple of guys and, and move on from him as a way to, uh, you know, maybe rectify that, that potential issue on the roster. Yeah, I mean, you need a you need a bot you need a you need a guy who's capable to come in and and play some backup center minutes, and it it kind of makes you appreciate what Brook Lopez was able to provide last year. I mean, he obviously has his limitations defensively, but talk about a guy who could who could certainly muscle guys in the post who he could, could do, clear he could out do, space on for rebounds. He can competently do the job. Yep. And if the Lakers had Brook Lopez, I wouldn't have written the column earlier this week about them missing the playoffs. Like they, if they even had a competent center, I would feel better. But if well, you hell, run if through the even, West, if, if you run through the West and you're going up against, you know, you could have a week where you play Nikola Jokic Monday, Stephen Adam Wednesday, and uh, Clint Capella Friday, and then the following week you could play Marcus Saul Monday, Anthony Davis Wednesday, and uh, Rudy Gobert Friday, and Marcus Aldridge on Sunday. Like in that, you know, that's half the West. I mean, it's just it's. You know, I understand that everybody like playing small has kind of become the vote, the invoke thing to do. But there's still a lot of good bigs, and you got to have, like you like you said, you got to have at least a guy you can throw out there and bang on people if nothing else. What's Andrew Bogut doing? What's his buyout with playing, the Sydney Kings? Uh, yeah, I was going to say he's playing for the Sydney Kings. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, there's a relationship there. The Lakers had him for half of last season. I'd feel better about him as the backup that to, to Vita Zubats at this point. It's hard. It's hard to argue. I mean, it's it's hard uh, it's it's hard to argue really on any level. Um, now, you know, let's let's try to wrap up here quick. We've we've touched on a few things, but is there is there something that's maybe a little bit under the radar um, that has you very curious, whether it's a rotation thing or um, you know, is there something that people aren't talking about that you think might might factor into uh, you know a bigger a bigger part of whether the Lakers are, are as good as people think or not this year? Well, I'm loving the rapid ascent of Josh Hart. Um, yeah, I think if you were Josh watching Hart. the Lakers, yeah, if you're watching, watching the if you're watching the Lakers at the end of last season, you saw it. Uh, Ingram was out, Ball was out, and the Lakers basically just said, "Josh Hart, go out and do your thing." And I think he scored 25 points in the final two games of the season. But even throughout the year, summer you, league too MVP. Yeah, yep. And then you go back to last season; he had nine games where he got double digit uh, rebounds. That's a huge part of his game. And then so far in the preseason, he's played four positions. You know, he, he you see him at the point a little bit, and then he's obviously the starting two guard the last two preseason games, and then he's ended up playing some four with the way the Lakers are 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 switching, and 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 it's kind of incredible to watch him go against these big guys and really hold, hold his own and stand them up in the post. And I think everybody saw the, the tweet from David West last night saying that the moment he kind of realized maybe it was time to hang it up was when he was battling with Josh Hart in the post, and Josh Hart was. Um, 
holding his own and 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 you know yeah. basically playing really capable interior defense against you know a, a former All Star big man. Um, you know that's really telling about the kind of player Josh Hart is. And um, you know we asked Luke Walton the other day what it is about him that you know it allows him to to have that kind of success at six five. You know a generous six five. And Luke said he's a winner. And that's such a sports cliche, but but. Luke Walton doesn't give that that label out to just anybody. I mean, he's a guy who won a, won a couple of championships. He knows kind of what a winner is and what what it means to like get get that carry that label. And the fact he's giving it to Josh Hart already, I think, is really telling. Um, you know, Hart was a guy that they went into the offseason saying, "Work on your ball handling. You're going to need to play a lot of point guard next year." They looked at him as as you know you know the third guard in a rotation of Lonzo Ball and and, and KCP. And that has obviously changed with the addition of, of Rondo, Lance Stevenson. So all of a sudden, it's like, okay, how do we make Josh Hart more effective? Well, he's playing power forward at, at times, and that is, um, and that is just something to continue to watch. But I think, you know, he is he might be the the heart and soul, uh, no pun intended, but um, the heart and soul of this team on the floor. And um, I wrote somewhere that for once, on the no pun intended point, for you. I know, right? Um, that. That LeBron James could very well win the MVP of the league this year, but Josh Hart might be the MVP of this team. He is a really good player, and and it has been very encouraging to me um, that he has started the last couple of games. You know, KCP is fine; he's a perfectly adequate NBA player, but Josh Hart's better than him already, and should be the starter. And the fact that he is starting these last two games, and it seems like there's a decent chance he will start. I mean, given you know, not that I've been around them nearly as much as you, but to hear Luke talk, Luke Walton talk about him this week. he certainly sounds like a guy who's going to start. And I, I think that if, you, if you're trying to be optimistic about the Lakers for this year, if he's getting a bigger role already and that's being recognized and, and pursued, um, that, that to me is a really good sign for this team, for sure. Well, and, and, and you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope obviously has his strengths. He's a very good transition player. He can, he can get hot from three, um, but he's streaky. And the, the difference with Hart is, I mean, he may not be knocking down shots, but he makes winning plays all over the floor to, to kind of validate his time on the court when he's when he's not shooting the ball well or you know he he's getting steals defensively he's getting rebounds he's he's getting deflections he's such an active um, pesky player that I think he provides more valuable minutes than than KCP if he's not making shots which you know frequently happens so I think from and especially just from establishing a tone from the start of the game um, you know I think I think Hart's the kind of player you want out there especially uh, alongside LeBron. I think LeBron is starting to appreciate the the kind of player that Josh Hart is. Obviously, he has a natural kinship with with Caldwell Pope due to, you know, their relationship through Clutch mm-hmm. uh, and Rich Paul. Mm-hmm. But um if he if, if Josh Hart's the better player, if he's outplaying Kentavious Caldwell Pope, he's going to be the starter regardless of who KCP's representation is. No question. And that, and and again, like I mean, there's been a lot of focus on Kyle Kuzma for a lot of reasons, but like you look at, you know, and I don't think he's going to be a bad NBA player long-term at all, but you, you look at, um, you look at Josh Hart's skill set for where the league is going and the stuff he can do, the, the ability he's got to play at both ends, to be a spot up shooter. Um, like you said, handle the ball a little bit to guard three or four positions. I mean, that, that's a guy that is going to be a really, really good player and to get him where they got him in the draft. Um, like I said, he hasn't maybe got as much attention as Kuzma for a variety of reasons, but he, I think, is going to be um, a great, great find for them for a long time. And well, and, and and you know, in all the in all the summer trade talk about Kawhi and and you know various various deals that would have that would net the Lakers another superstar, um, Josh Hart becomes kind of the guy that um, 
that that figures into almost any deal, and, and the Lakers are really hesitant to give him up. I mean, I, you can you can say you can say that it might be crazy not to trade any of these young guys to to go get an established superstar, but the Lakers will do really do believe in this young core. You know, guys like Ingram uh, and Hart, especially, I think they view as as um, super high IQ and winning players. No question. Now, one final thing before we bounce what what is your take on the Lakers? defensive ability and and, huh. and like where where do you see them realistically winding up because one of the reasons i am skeptical about them is you look at their roster to me they have one plus defender which is part and it, i should say two i think lonzo is a plus defender so i think if lonzo is healthy he and hard i think are plus defenders other than that i don't think they have another plus defender on the roster and they in theory could be starting rondo lebron and javel all at the same time who at this point you know, Rondo and LeBron both have been great defensive players in the past or not at this point at the same level for a variety of reasons. And JaVale just doesn't really know what he's doing. So, um, you know, Lakers <laughs> were a good defensive team last year, uh, but they did lose some key pieces. They have some new pieces in. Like, what? what is your, you know, Luke Walton last night said, we're going to be a good um, defensive team. Um, what is your uh, what is your take on kind of what they could be at that end? Because that that is a, to me, you know, they are going to be able to score. To your point with LeBron on the team automatically, but um, how good do you think they can be at the other end of the floor? So I'm a little more bearish, I guess, on the on the defense than Luke. I mean, I think to be to call yourself a good defensive team, you probably need to be top twelve or thirteen. Right. Um, that feels like a little bit of a stretch just for all the reasons you laid out. Julius Randle and Larry Nance were really critical to what they were able to do defensively right. last year, um, guarding fives. I mean, if they had just had one of those guys this year, you'd feel better about, about their – Feel totally different. Yep. But, um, but I do think – we've learned a few – one, I think that the Lakers coaches have done a great job schematically defensively. Brian Keefe does not get nearly enough credit. Yeah, he's at, a big time at, 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 at quarterbacking the defense. I mean, this is a guy I don't think NBA fans know who Brian Keefe is, and he has been um, – he has absolutely – He's one of the best resurrected, in the league for a long time. Re- resurrect, resurrected that Lakers defense um, 100%. And, um, and you know, he's, he's there on the front of the bench right next to Luke Walton, um, you know, calling out the defense every single time down the floor. I mean, he's absolutely huge. Uh, and two, one thing we've learned about a Luke Walton coach team is they are going to give you effort on defense. And they have good enough athletes, I think, throughout the roster that they're going to get stops. And they're going to turn those stops into easy buckets on a nightly basis. So I think they're going to be a good enough defensive team. I still think they could slip you know, down to you know, 18, 19, somewhere in that middle third. But I, but I, um, but I, I do feel to like me, if they they're in that range, enough. that's a, to me, if they're in that range, that's a win for them. I, yeah. I think they're going to be a good enough defensive team to get by. I think they're going to get stops. I think they're going to cause turnovers because they have good enough athletes um, right. and, and strong enough guys. And the, the length they have is, um, you know, among the best in the league. So I feel, I feel okay about it in that sense, but, for, but, but from a size standpoint, I do think they're going to get absolutely um, mutilated by, by the bigs in the league. I mean, yeah. JaVale, JaVale is not a guy you want in there muscling with, um, you know, with a lot of these guys and he's right. also not going to, should be chasing guys out to the three point line. I mean, right. what he really does well is, is SWAT shots and he's going to get, he's going to get numbers there and he's going to have minutes. But I, I think the Lakers are just going to really, really miss having um, that Julius Randall type guy uh, who can switch and play in space. Uh, by the way, a year ago, we were not talking about Julius Randle as the, the guy you wanted playing defense. Like, right. talk about that. Talk about a guy completely changing his image and his own personal narrative. Good for Julius. Good for the Pelicans. Um, but I think I think the Lakers are going to be okay defensively. But I think you're going to see them regress 
for all the reasons you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, if that that's really going to be a telling thing. If they can, if they can, if Luke is right, and they can be, I mean, it, it really, if you're right, if they can be anywhere up above 20, you know, if they're 19 or better, um, you got to feel pretty good about where they wind up because their offense is going to be good. They got enough guys yeah. that can score, even though they're not going to shoot very well. They got enough guys that can score, and they obviously have LeBron that they're going to be, uh, they're going to be fine. So, well, and I'm not the first person to say this, obviously, but but creating, getting stops, and creating transition opportunities is going to be the key to everything. Right. For this team. It's, well, it's going to be getting key. It's rebounds. Gonna be, that's the other yeah. thing. Like they don't like they are going to struggle rebounding uh, with a lot of these lineups. Um, well, and the other that, and, well, that's and, be and, interesting. Well, and, and I talked to Josh Hart about this a lot yesterday because, again, I mentioned Josh Hart had nine, uh, ten or more rebounding nights last yep. year as a, as a rookie guard. I mean, that's yep. pretty impressive. Yep. But this year, one, he's going to be playing a lot more three. And two, in those small lineups, there's not going to be that big guy like Brooke Lopez or Julius Randle clearing out the, 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 the opposing team centers and power forwards. You're right. not going right. to have big space eaters. So I'm not sure that those rebounds that were there for Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball last year are going to be as easy to come by. Which is which is problematic, but but I do think as long as the Lakers can can get enough stops, create enough transition opportunities, let LeBron take some of those plays off where he doesn't even have to cross the half court line and can just kind of can be the trailer and let the other guys get get those easy buckets. Um, that's that's really the key to this whole thing. And when people talk about running with LeBron, um, that doesn't mean LeBron is running. I mean LeBron will do his fair share of LeBron running, probably, but, won't but you're be running but, much, but, right. but you're but you're you're running you're running so LeBron doesn't have to run. That right. is. That is, it's right. not that LeBron is going to suddenly find his legs and, and you know, be out there like a spring chicken. The, the idea is to um, create baskets that without him having to work for them. And that was not the case for him in Cleveland whatsoever. He had to if there was going to be a score, it felt like he had to create it one way or another. And the way the Lakers want to play, I think you're going to see LeBron in the backcourt with Josh Hart finishing at the rim. Yep. I mean, that and LeBron, if, and, and LeBron just sagging back into his defensive position. If, I mean, if that, I mean, certainly if that, if it works, that's, uh, that's what the goal is going to be. So listen, man, you're going to have a lot of fun covering this team. They're going to be uh, truly fascinating to watch on a nightly basis, both on and off the court. And I have a feeling you're not going to run out of things to write anytime soon. So uh, thank you for taking time to talk about them. Do this. And before you go, let the people know uh, where they can find your work. And, uh, and if you've got anything coming up that you want them to read. Well, uh, obviously, subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't yet. And then um, there will be the Brandon Ingram story, uh, depending on when, when you drop the pod. Later today, it's Thursday. Wait, no, what day is it? Today is Friday, buddy. <laughs> I am I'm deep, I'm deep in I'm deep in the the LeBron vacuum of um, yeah of time. So uh, later Friday that'll be up and um, just continuing to go forward with this kind of crazy team. But on Twitter, Bill Orem, Instagram, look at cute pictures of my kid. Yeah, there you go. And if you follow Bill on Twitter, you'll get a lot of puns, so you can look forward to that. Too. <laughs> um, but thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, and like I said, good luck following this around. Hey, always a privilege. Thank you, Tim. Thank you again to Bill Orm for coming on the podcast. Like I said, be sure to follow him, check him out, uh, follow the athletic. I got a million friends working there now. Definitely support them. And uh, it's going to, Lakers are going to be fascinating to watch no matter what. So definitely worth uh, watching them and, and seeing how it goes. And, and Bill will be a perfect person to, to follow along to, to keep track of all the craziness as the year goes on. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA in the pages of the Washington post or on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please give the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you get it, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. Um, you know, it really helps us out when you do that. So please take the time to do so. It means a lot. 
Um, go support our other podcasts. Uh, can you do that? Constitutional, Letters from War, uh, Retropod. We got a bunch of really cool pods at the post. We got more stuff coming, so definitely go uh, subscribe to those and, and listen to them. I, I check them all out every week. They're great. Um, thank you to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the pod. Uh, Glenn's the NBA at the post, big Mavs fan. Uh, excited about Luca. Um, sad about Dirk's last year, but um, definitely worth uh, checking out their music. If you can, go support them online. If they're doing a show near you, they do a lot of shows on the East Coast. Um, go check them out. They're a fun band. I've seen them in person. Definitely worth checking out. So um, thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you all again soon.